Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Let's be honest. The first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simon's on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away, because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today, we're answering your listener questions. Man, let's give it up for Joel because I guess we both thought that over the weekend you would uh, you'd be able to rest up a little bit, be in a better condition. But the voice is still sounding rough. You're yeah. pushing through, though. I'm thinking it, you're a you're a soldier over there. Yeah, doing for the sake of personal finance. Remember that one guy who played with like a broken leg in the Super Bowl? That's what I feel like right now. That's what I feel like. That's a, this is that version of podcasting. Uh, it's actually nothing close to that. <laughs> I, I was gonna let you say that. I don't think that highly of myself, but yeah. Well, you are. I mean, you're you're dialing it up a little bit here for the actual recording, but yeah, dude, you've been in, you've been in rough shape. So let's let's get this bad boy recorded. Yeah, get you going. home. Maybe get yourself a little nap this afternoon. There we go. All right. And I hate that's going to the doctors. I actually, and I, I went. I went. Yeah, I got some meds, so I'm hoping that's going to get me on the right path. So yeah, let's let's hope so, man. But uh, yes, this is an Ask How to Money Monday episode, and we've got multiple topics to get to. We're going to talk about the rule of fifty-five what that's all about and how it pertains to early retirement. Uh, Another listener is wondering whether or not uh, it's okay for him to put 5% down when it comes to purchasing a home. And another listener has a daughter that's growing up. She is transitioning into adulthood. He wanted to pick our brains there. So we'll talk about that plus more on today's episode. buddy. Before, I just want to give one quick tip. And we've talked about this before on the show, but there is a law in Europe that basically forces airlines to compensate you if your flight's delayed. And this is something, Matt, for some reason, it feels like it's on nobody's radar. Um, and But my mother-in-law told me uh, a few weeks ago they'd gone to Scotland, actually not too long after you and I went this year. Oh, and okay. they had a great time. You but said th- something about a mother... Okay, sorry, dude. Keep going. Oh, good. So their return yeah. flight was delayed like four hours or something like that. And that exceeds the amount of time they're able to delay without having to pay you money. And I was oh, like, snap. have you guys filed for EU-261? EU-261. She was like, no. Sounds what? like some sort of radioactive yeah. isotope. <laughs> That's uh, right. But in fact, this means money in your pocket. Yeah. She was like, what do I do? And so I just sent her the link. And she texted me over the Christmas break. And she said she got almost $1,500 back Nice. Uh, thanks to that delay. So it's like... That's huge. You're almost like <laughs> praying to be delayed a little bit so that you can get this compensation. You're like, I wouldn't mind. I mean, because most of the time you're sitting there 
I feel like an hour or two delay is pretty typical. So it's yeah. like, okay, maybe another couple hours and then we yeah. almost get the whole cost of the ticket refunded. Right. That's insane. It's man. like, please, let's cross that oh. threshold so we can get a decent chunk of money back in our, our wallets. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some good sites out there. We'll, we'll link to those there in the show notes. That way, if you want to learn more about this, you know where it is to go, where to learn more about it and how it is that you can file for yeah. that compensation. We've got no such law here in the States, yeah. but Europe does. And even if you're taking a flight, by the way, to Europe um, or from Europe to the States, the, the, those flights basically fall under EU 261 as well. So, Very nice. Yeah. You, do you plan on doing, uh, did y'all set any new, any 2024 travel resolutions as uh, far as? You know, we traveled so hard in 2023, which was great. Yeah. I think we're definitely going to, we, we realized it was the time to take advantage uh-huh. of travel and we're going to, ha- we're going to be traveling a little bit less this year. So yeah, uh, I think that partly with. Emily's school and, and kind of getting into yeah. the working and stuff like that. So I maybe think, we can get get some smaller domestic trips in. How yeah, about, how about that? Yeah, maybe not a big Euro <laughs> one this year though. Like a maybe like a yeah. I want to go hiking. I want to I want to do more. Like I really enjoyed uh, going on that hiking trip with Kate, and uh, it'd be fun for us to do that. The uh, the Camino Santiago in Spain. I'm trying to convince my dad to do that with me. So oh. maybe. Just maybe that would that'll be, be awesome. later this year. But that, that's something I want to do with my kids. Yeah, uh, like sort of as like a rite of passage. It's either that or even doing the AT. But the AT is just so much more intense. Yeah, like if you're going to do that, you've got to be a, a real wilderness person, right? Because like, if you're going to through hike it, it's months and months. Well, our first is just like a week, yeah, uh, ten days perhaps. If when you're doing the. Camino Santiago. Yeah. Um, well, our, our mutual friend, Chad Carson, he took his girls um, and, and uh, they, they're a little bit older than our, our kiddo. So, yeah, um, but they were, I mean, they were in Europe for a year. So it makes sense. Like they were in, literally in Spain. <laughs> so you, you know, better be doing it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if you're over there. Uh, all right, man, let's quickly introduce the beer you and I are enjoying and you might only enjoy a very small amount of this beer. We'll see. Yeah. But this is a violent green. This is a beer by Evergreen. Another one that was donated to the show by Re. Anna, thanks again, Rihanna, for sending a bunch our way. We'll share our thoughts at the end of the episode. But uh, yeah, this is a listener questions episode, and you too can send your voice memo in and have it answered by Joel and I. At the very least, we'll talk about it. Yeah, uh, maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe we won't provide you with a perfectly satisfactory answer. But we'll do uh, our best. Absolutely, yeah. And we, we take listener questions every Monday here on the podcast. But uh, yeah, let's get to our first one. This is a listener who has a question about the down payment that he has on hand to put towards a house. Hey guys, Ray here calling you from Los Angeles. Love the show. Thanks for having me on. My wife and I just recently paid our student loan debt and we're super excited about that, but it left our savings account almost all the way depleted. We currently rent here and would really rather be paying for a house that we own, especially since rent is so expensive. We both work full-time. We have income from rental property also. Our emergency fund is good. Retirement contributions are maxed, so we're all good there. But we're just having a hard time saving money right now with rent being as high as it is. Currently, we have about a 5% down payment saved for the price that we're looking at. And my question is, is it worth it to go 5% down, pay the PMI, so that way we can own our house and we can even itemize on our taxes from the interest? Or should we just keep renting, save what we can, and just see how long it takes to save up enough for a 20% down payment? Or last resort, do we sell a rental? We'd rather not, but maybe that's the way to go. Thanks for having me, and have a great day. All right, Ray, thanks so much for your question, man. And, And seriously, big win paying off that student loan debt. Not having that payment in your life should help mm-hmm. you to restore that all-important emergency fund. I think you're going to be able to do it quickly. What a good feeling it is to, I mean, just tens of millions of people in this country, Matt, have overwhelming levels of student loan debt. Yeah. Ray is not one of them, so yeah. <laughs> he definitely deserves a high five for that. He's got that off his back. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't consider buying a home, by the way, until you've replenished that. Uh, but with one less debt in your life, once you've got that built back up, it just might be the right time to buy that home. So... Yeah, start focusing on getting that savings back up. You got the e-fund, which is great, but I want you to have more savings on hand than just kind of that bare minimum to cover you in case of emergency. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he said his savings was depleted. And honestly, maybe what he's talking about, too, is the fact that the... He had like a stockpile of funds on hand and he's 
I'm sure that was a tough sort of question. It's like, do we go ahead and pay off the student loans? Right. Or do we keep this fat stack around to be able to put towards a house? They chose to eliminate the student loans. But yeah, I think the, it's a prudent choice. Like, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. But it's not it's not an easy one. And then it leaves you like salivating when you're looking at homes <laughs> on the internet and you're a little bummed because you feel like you don't have the cash reserves to like pounce. Exactly. But that being said, I mean, what you're getting at though is the fact that with this payment no longer being in their life, I think Ray is going to be able to rebound really quickly uh, faster than he, he even thinks yeah. and where he's going to be able to have a, s- a significant down payment on hand. Uh, but right now what he's asking about is whether or not, or not it's cool to purchase a home with only 5% down. And this is a great question worth taking because I think there are a lot of folks out there in a similar boat and there's a lot to discuss given the, the state of the housing market at the moment. Uh, but first things first, uh, let's just talk about home ownership, just generally speaking, because the desire to own a home is is great. We're fans of home ownership ourselves, but specifically when folks are financially ready for it. Now, there are some real benefits to it, but those benefits aren't typically going to be financial in nature. Yeah. It is true that the, the average American has the vast majority, the bulk of their net worth tied up in home equity. It's, that's also something we don't love. Exactly. Yeah. It's based, It's just a forced method of savings for most folks, but it is not what we necessarily want for How to Money listeners. But luckily, Ray isn't the average person. It, he is, it seems like he's doing a great job on a whole lot of fronts that yes. might open up more doors, more options that are might be now at his disposal. Let me highlight those things, right? He's doing a killer job focusing on finances, maxing out retirement accounts. You've got that rental property, which is a great thing to have in your back pocket. I would hold maybe on to that. Maybe multiple rental yeah, properties. Yeah, maybe multiples, yeah. Because like at the end, he said something about worst case scenario, sell a property. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. How many properties do you have on hand? <laughs> and ideally- it's a strong position to be in. I mean, you don't necessarily want to sell a rental property nope. in order to buy the home of your dreams. That's going to impact your future too. But I also get that, hey, maybe if it was that a medium-term investment to help you buy the home that you wanted, that could be a legitimate option too. But basically, Ray, since you've done a lot of the hard work to funnel large sums of money into crucial investments for your future already, we're okay with you having a smaller down payment set aside. It's not ideal, but it's not unwise. And so if you can afford the payment, and this is an important lifestyle goal, goal for you and your family, uh, given your attention to detail in the rest of your financial life, I feel pretty comfortable with you guys only putting 5% down. I'm, that doesn't, no, no alarm bells are sounding, Matt, for me when I hear Ray say that. And again, it's because Ray isn't the average American out yeah. there with nothing set aside for retirement. He's got a whole lot of other assets. Yeah. Uh, there, is, there are a lot of other people who might call in and say, I, just, I want to put 5% down. <laughs> um, and we might, they might not be in the same overall financial position, and it's a different calculus. Exactly. Yeah. It is worth mentioning some of the downsides, though, of only putting down 5%, right? You, you already mentioned PMI. And of course, that's going to make your mortgage payment higher. But by putting d- down less money, it's likely going to mean that the interest rate that you're going to receive, your, your mortgage in- interest rate may not be quite as good either. That's going to also make your mortgage payment go up. But then just the fact that you're financing more money, right? Like there is going to be, yeah. there's a larger principal sum <laughs> that you're having to finance. And so all three of those things, it kind of makes it feel like you might be paying out the nose a little bit, especially just with interest rates being where they are, to not get the absolute most competitive rate because you're putting down a little bit less. These are all things that you need to take into account before it's like, all right, <laughs> 5% down. Uh, Matt and Joel gave, gave me the thumbs up. Obviously, there are trade-offs, but what we're saying, though, is that those trade-offs might be worth it considering the strong financial position that you're already in. Yeah. But another caveat worth mentioning, though, is that when you look at the charts, of how much it costs to own versus how much it costs to rent. Uh, renting, it looks smarter than than basically ever before, given what's happened with home prices and, and with mortgage rates. Uh, so just know that buying that house is it's totally fine if that's a, a, a meaningful goal of yours, but it's just not a slam dunk decision given the current conditions. Now, uh, there's actually an article in the journal a few weeks back about why buying a home, how it no longer makes sense. And they had a just a great chart in there showing rental prices versus the the average home yeah. price. And tenants around the country are like, it sucks, I'm paying so much more. But anybody who's trying to buy a home right now, like, oh wait, renting doesn't look that bad. It hurts even more yeah. if you're trying to buy. And especially too, I'm surprised because he mentioned he's out there in LA. The disparity in Southern California where he lives, it's even more extreme yeah. than the rest of the country. And so I think it's at least 
worth considering some of these different market conditions before you keep pursuing the the route of uh, home ownership. Yeah, you know, home buying is is very much a personal thing, and it's like, are you actually financially ready to do this? And is this a major goal of yours? Because even if it's not the smartest market conditions, it doesn't matter if you've saved well and you and, and mortgage rates are higher, but you're like. Listen, I found this awesome house. This is perfect for my family, and we can we can easily afford this in our budget. We're not giving up. Like we're not stopping all contributions to the four hundred one k or eating you know ramen every night because we bought this house. Mm-hmm. Then that's totally fine. It doesn't have to be just based on market conditions. Like that w- that's what an over optimized robotic person would do, right? <laughs> and so I would, but I would say you mentioned high rents as a motivator for buying a house. But I would suggest doing the math and seeing how much more it'll yes. cost you to buy a home in the current environment. That's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, because yep. it seems like, and, and not just seems like, but rents have gone up uh, substantially in the last few years. But I think this will do one of two things. It'll either make you less annoyed at what you're paying in rent, or you'll realize that the disparity isn't all that bad given the price range and area, area you're looking to buy. So either way, let the numbers and your personal goals like help inform your decision, not just being annoyed by a rent increase. Um, and we've talked about this too, Matt. Rents are softening. If your landlord's trying to pass through a rent increase to you, and you're actually like, yeah, it's not a bad house. We wouldn't mind staying for another year and saving up a little longer. Well, you can push back. And, yeah. uh, at, and, least, at the very least, have a conversation. I have had tenants do that to me recently, <laughs> and guess what? You're like, oh, you're, you you're, actually always pay on time. I yeah. never hear from you. <laughs> That's right. So I'm, I have lowered rent for tenants Ooh, recently. Yeah, there lowered. you go. Yep. That, dude, a good renter makes all the difference. It does. Yeah. <laughs> in the, in the, the world. Do. I do really like what you said, though, about them being about him being annoyed, because I think that might be the case, because what I didn't hear him talk about, and this is really interesting, but he didn't talk about wanting to put down roots or he didn't talk about community or even outgrowing the house where it's like, hey, where we are currently no longer suits our needs. It seems that what he is annoyed at is the fact that he's paying rent when he owns properties. Right. It's, it's like he's angry at the principle of the fact that he's paying rent. He's he hates the idea that he's paying rent. Uh, when instead he could be putting that towards equity. Well, and there are a lot of people who would say, oh, renting is just throwing away money, which we would say, not true at all. You're putting a roof over your head, and for the most part, for most people, it means there's going to be, you're going to pay less overall every single month because it's just cheaper than getting a mortgage these days. That hasn't always been the case, but it is now, um, at least in most markets. But there's other benefits as well. Yeah. It's other stuff that you don't have to worry about. But it just sounds like he is more adverse to the idea of the fact that he's renting than the than the actual facts on the ground, yeah. which is why I think what you said is makes so much sense. Just run the numbers, and the reality of what you're faced with might help you to realize, well, it doesn't matter that this goes against every fiber of your being, Ray, that, in, that you're paying these dollars towards somebody else, if in the end it means that uh, there are other benefits that you're receiving, and even fina- potential financial benefits from renting, well, dang, that might be exactly what you need to keep doing. Maybe yeah. you don't necessarily need to rent and that might, also, might just change your tune about renting or at least slows the roll a little yeah. bit which then allows him to then save up even more money to have on hand let's all of a sudden before he knows it he's got 10 percent down and it's it's just been a few months yeah. maybe you know maybe it's this summer and he realizes he's got 10 15 percent and that just gives him more time to explore different neighborhoods maybe even figure out where it is that that they want to end up living yeah so yep. I, I see no rush for him specifically i guess in the situation so. yeah Rush out there and buy a home. This might sound weird, uh, but I don't think renting's never been sexier. It's uh, <laughs> just given Dude, mortgage rates and yeah. the cost of uh, what people are asking asking prices for homes these days. I would totally rent. Renting it's, doesn't seem insane in any way, form, or fashion. Yeah, given in, where, in most markets, given where we are, I would one hundred percent consider renting if there is a great house yeah. that suited our family. Because that, to be honest, the house that we're in. It, we're, it's it's getting tight, man. It's getting yeah. tight quick. And yeah, you totally rent if a big enough house. Can yeah, yeah, absolutely. The trou- trouble is, there's just like that's not a big. Ide- exactly, exactly. Ideally, I would rather maybe buy that home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and maybe that would be the that would be the strategy. It's like, hey, hey, I'll go ahead and sign, you know, sign a lease, and then we start having some discussions of like, yeah. hey, what would it look like if for you to unload this house and let me just take it over completely? But, yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, I just want to say one last thing. Ray mentioned itemizing deductions. But because of the much higher standard deduction, that's right. Ray, you even if you buy a home, you still might not itemize. Something like ninety percent of Americans do not itemize their deduction. Mm-hmm. So uh, you might think, oh, subtly, that's another win, another check mark in the box of buying instead of renting. But it might not be. It's it's often oversold as a tax benefit, and it used to be a better tax benefit until the Tax Cuts and Job Act came along. But 
not many people, even homeowners, are itemizing their deductions. Exactly. Yeah, it might, it might be more of like a mental, just another sort of excuse. Uh, it's a, a good reason. Oh, yeah. And, and plus on top of that, then we'll be able to rece- uh, realize that benefit. But yeah, Ray, we wish you the best. And Joe, we've got more to get to, including a question about retiring early. We'll get to that plus more right after this. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava.com dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money you probably think it's too soon to join aarp right well let's take a minute to talk about it where do you see yourself in 15 years more specifically your career your health your social life What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the, uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Matt, we got more listener questions to get to. This one comes from a listener in Washington who wants to know how to set his 18-year-old up for success. Hey, Matt and Jewel, this is Trent, a longtime listener from Seattle. I really enjoyed episode 760 where you talked kids stuff. You know, preparing financially for babies, 529s for kids, Roths for teenagers. Fortunately, I was aware of most of the items that you talked about and was able to take advantage of them. Well, my daughter turned 18 last week, and we received a letter from our credit union informing us that she would no longer be earning the early savers interest rate. This got me thinking about the other accounts and things that we should consider doing as she transitioned into adulthood. Over her 18 years, we were able to invest in a Vanguard custodial brokerage, which has about 73000 and a New York State 529 that has about 100000 through gifts from family and friends. She also has 12000 in a custodial Roth account at Fidelity, which she funded by working at a dry cleaner since she was 14. Is there something I should consider doing with the custodial accounts now that she's an adult? What other things would you suggest she consider? I'm thinking of things like applying for her own credit card. 
She's currently an authorized user on mine. Switching bank accounts for better interest, credit freeze. I would like to hear any other suggestions you may have for this transition. Thank you. Matt, the only thing I didn't hear Trent say that his daughter had was gold bars from Costco. <laughs> there's, there's so much I want to jump on because he said so many great things. Yeah. Like, first of all, oh, yeah, credit union. We no longer get the early savers. We don't need you anyway. That's right. <laughs> I'm thinking that. I'm thinking about the uh, just the vast amount of money that Trent and his daughter that they've been able to set aside. She yeah. is in such such an incredible position. And it's clear that you've already done an amazing job at getting her started off on the right foot. Like, honestly, she's, she's got more money than like the majority of folks to her twice her age. That's true. <laughs> uh, maybe even more. Uh, and she's unlikely to have, to have to take on any debt for college, for higher education, given that massive stash that's sitting there in her 529, 529 account. And keep in mind that if she doesn't need all of those funds, that those dollars can be used to fund another child's education or even your own or a partner's. Uh, or you can use $35,000 of that money to beef up her Roth IRA. That's something that has started this year. Uh, you can read up on the rules, uh, but they're pretty specific about the length of time that the account uh, has to be opened. And you can only contribute up to the annual contribution limit. So it might you know, take her like half a decade or so for you to, to pull this off. But just think about how wealthy, even more wealthy that she'll be by the time she's but by the time she's 23, uh, most recent grads don't, I mean, they've got negative net worth. Right. So she has the potential to have a lot more than that to her name. No, a big positive one for sure. Uh, and and I love something else too. He uh, he said that, that his daughter's been working since she was 14. And I think, yeah. that's, I think that's amazing. That's something you and I encourage regularly, not uh, so that kids lose their childhood and are working 40 hours a week the day they turn 14. It's not that sort of mentality that I have. Um, but I started working when I was 14 uh, across from my high school, and I learned a lot. Like uh, I'm super convinced that working part-time in high school is invaluable from an interpersonal standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so, from yeah. a self-development standpoint as right. well, there's just other things that you learn outside of the home. Yeah, yeah, being having uh, instead of just teachers, now there are managers that you have to you have to interact with. And so kudos to you guys on that. And now that your daughter, she's reached what's known as the age of majority in her state. That account can be transferred fully into her name. And there's not really anything you need to do. It kind of happens automatically. I just make sure that she knows about the accounts, how to log in, how the money's invested or divvied up, and then what the money should likely be used for. It's kind of like a passing of the financial torch here, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's saying, hey, listen, we've been doing this together for a bunch of years. Now you got this. Um, and so my guess is she knows a lot already. She probably knows what to do because you've been really intentional, but this is a great opportunity for you to formalize it. Maybe impart one last money lesson or something, but uh, more than anything, it's a chance to let her know how proud of her you are. Yes, yeah, like a like a final little boost out into adulthood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, you mentioned that she won't be earning that that higher rate at the credit union anymore. It is a bummer because sometimes those different credit unions can pay a pretty sweet rate, but yeah. it's probably time to encourage her just to open up a high-yield savings account anyway with one of our favorite online banks. Uh, just check out the features over at Ally. I'm a big fan of them. Joel, you're a big fan of Discover. Yeah. CIT, they consistently offer the highest, highest rate rates, yeah. out there. Even Honestly, even if she's like an Apple person, well, they've got a solid savings account now as well. But I would just push her out of the, the credit union for savings. But at the same time, maintain that relationship too because when it comes time to borrow in the future uh, that credit union it might have some of the best offerings around uh, withdraw those funds but keep whatever minimum is required oftentimes it's just like a an associated savings account with like yeah. five bucks that kind of thing just to yeah. keep that thing alive all right so what else do you need to think about um i mean i think we think that you're thinking about the right stuff trent i feel like you're You've been on the right path with your daughter for a long time, and it sounds like you've done both. You've done the teaching, and you've helped her do some of the accumulating, which is pretty cool. So I would say helping her freeze her credit, maybe that's a good idea. That's something that's worth pursuing. We'll put a link in, in the show notes for how to do that. Yeah, do that uh, after you go ahead and get that first credit card yeah. um, that, you, that you mentioned uh, to kind of help her help walk her through that and know how to set that up and, that's right. and to obviously handle and wield that credit card responsibly. And that might be one of those things then that, freeze it. that gets talked about later on typically is credit stuff. So you might not have done a deep dive with your daughter on credit and getting a credit card and freezing credit um, and kind of having that discussion about the the positive sides and the dangers of, of credit is really important. Um, and then as she transitions into adulthood, I'd also help her think through 
budgeting so that those habits continue oh, yeah. moving forward. Um, it's incredible to be able to avoid student loan debt, to have money saved for her eventual, eventual retirement already too. But we want her to avoid consumer debt as well. And tracking is crucial on that front. So maybe it's YNAB, which is free for students. The You need a budget. That's one of our favorites. Or Copilot. Uh, again, if you're like an Apple person, Copilot has a really snazzy app. Or even just old school Excel, like whatever floats her boat. Um, but encourage her to track her money so she can keep moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Regardless of whether she's going off to college or if she's just moving out, she is going to have more responsibility and she's likely going to have a whole lot more in, when it comes to expenses that you've likely been covering for her. So the ability for her to track her funds and to keep up with all of that, I think that's going to be vital for you to to walk alongside her, right? Because yes, technically she is an adult now, but that doesn't mean you have to throw her into the deep end and hope that she's able to swim. You yeah. can wade into the shallow end with her. And obviously that's something that you've done. But now that she's an adult, I think you have the opportunity to uh, give her a peek behind the curtain a little bit and to give her some of the technical details as to how it is that things work. Obviously, I think you've set an incredible example as to like work ethic, how it is that we view money, like your attitude toward money. But now it's like you can get pretty specific about this is how we budget. Like you can share more and more information with them, uh, not only because it's going to be helpful for her to learn how to do this on her own with her own money. But also because fact is, man, like she's, she's always going to be your daughter, of course, but she's almost like with her being an adult now, it's almost like you're, you're almost like peers. She's her own person now. Like she's, she's going to file her taxes yeah. <laughs> on her own. Most likely uh, she's no longer going to be a dependent. And so the ability to, to, to kind of walk through life a little bit, almost like peers, I think is a, is a pretty cool thing. It's not something that neither of Joel or I have experienced with our, uh, with, with our kids, but yeah, you'll be there. We'll both be there in, in a number of years. Something I'm certainly, certainly looking forward to. Yeah. It's a little scary because <laughs> it's just like, hopefully we've done a good job up till that point. But it's sort of like what you said about passing the torch. It's a, you find out when you kick them out of the nest. Yeah. I guess, you, you, know? you find out, but this is just a, a way for them to learn some of the more concrete steps that they need to take uh, when it comes to handling money on their own. Yeah. You know, they talk about trust fund kids or somebody being born on third base. This is like Trent's daughter was born on third base, but in a different way, just yeah. by based on the intentionality yeah. of yeah, uh, his intentionality. So it's not like she's set to inherit billions, probably not even millions or anything like that. Right. <laughs> right. But, but the knowledge that right. she has, that's what's powerful. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'd rather uh, be, be born and have to make my own way, but have some of those tools. Thanks to my parents. So Absolutely. For sure. So yeah. And, and I'm sure she always, she knows she can always come back and ask questions when she's not sure how to proceed. Just make sure she knows that. Make sure you tell her that. And congrats to you and your daughter, Trent. All right, Matt, let's get to our next question. This one is about retiring early. And there's a rule about accessing your funds that can be a little bit confusing. Hey, Matt and Joel. This is Tyler from San Diego. Big fan since the poor not poor days. I have a question about IRS rule of 55 that I haven't been able to figure out the answer to. It states that you could retire at the year you turn 55 and take early distribution from your 401k of the current employer's plan. However, can't you just roll over all your previous employer's plans into that current employer plan and just have that be your big lump sum at the end? Ideally, too, you could possibly take a sabbatical from ages 50, 55, etc. And then once you start working at 55, just roll everything into that current plan. Would that work? Would that meet the needs of the rule of 55? Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good day. All right, so Joel, Tyler said something that we haven't mentioned in a while. Poor Not Poor, which is what this podcast used to be called. And the reason I bring it up, obviously, Tyler, he brought it up first. But also, over the holidays, I was cleaning out the garage a little bit, and I found the box where we have our old Poor Not Poor koozies. Oh. It made them, it, I, I didn't know that it made the move when we moved out of the city. And so, I might have to bring those up into the office, and maybe we'll start oh, yeah. giving away some of these vintage. Yes, we should. <laughs> we should mail some out. Uh, vintage koozies that say, Poor Not Poor, it's the number one podcast of craft beer and personal finance. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it says on there. Uh, but Tyler, we appreciate you uh, listening to the show for so long. And let's talk about the rule of 55. It's it's a cool thing to know about for, for those of you who want to retire early. We love tax advantage retirement accounts, right? But if you want the tax break, you got to lock those dollars up for a long time. Uh, and so because of that, some folks who are interested in early retirement, they, they end up focusing more on funneling dollars into their taxable brokerage account instead because those dollars are going to be accessible before the age of 59 and a half. It's understandable, but I do hate the idea of missing out on the tax break. 
Is it because of that you might want to take maybe more of a, a hybrid approach with a tax advantage account in addition to the brokerage account? But the rule of 55, it at least allows you to feel a bit more comfortable utilizing your workplace retirement account to a greater degree if you are interested in maybe kicking, maybe maybe clocking out a little little early yeah. when it comes to uh, retirement. I get it. Like, I, I'm, if you want to retire at 55 instead of 60, then the rule of 55 can be a lifesaver allowing you to tap some of those funds. Uh, and the specifics boil down to this. If you turn 55 during the calendar year, you lose or leave your job. So you don't have to get fired. You can just leave too, right? And this, this rule kicks in. You just quit. You yeah. can just quit. Straight up walk out. <laughs> uh, you can begin taking distributions from your 401k without paying the early withdrawal penalty. You still owe taxes on the money that you take out, but you won't owe the additional 10% penalty which mm-hmm. is a big savings. And that's right. Uh, and so while this is a fun little tax loophole, though, we don't actually think that most folks should do it. Why? Well, the longer you keep those dollars invested, the better, right? If you tap them too early, you're missing out on years of potential compounding. It's really only something that well-capitalized early retirees should take advantage of after many, many years of putting aside big bucks in those accounts. Basically, and I don't think you are, Tyler, I just don't want you to make this decision flippantly. If you've planned, some people might have just perked their ears up and said, what, huh? I can tap that, those <laughs> funds earlier than before? Great. I'm, Five I'm, years I'm early. Totally going to do it. Sounds good. But if you've only got 100K in there uh, and it's not- I mean, I get and, you very far. And you're quitting your job <laughs> earlier than you otherwise were going to. Yeah. Yeah. You might not have enough to last you for all those retirement years that you're going to need that money. Yeah. And what you said, like you were mentioning the compounding that takes place and some folks might be thinking, well, you're only talking about five years. Let's just say five or maybe even a few more years of compounding. But the thing is, those are the most important years when it comes yeah. to compounding. It's, it, you don't become a millionaire in those first five years. <laughs> or I should say most people don't. It's when you're really close to that and that compounding interest builds and it, that snowball continues to roll. Yeah. The size of it increases significantly in those, those last few years. But uh, this is something... Yeah, so I, I like how you approach that, Joel, because just because you can do this, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should. Uh, but that being said, if you have had an extremely high savings rate, uh, you've got a large enough nest egg to start drawing it down before you reach full retirement age, well, then this is a fantastic tax loophole to take advantage of. If you're a how to money listener and you've been listening since the poor not poor days, perhaps, and maybe even really getting after it, uh, it's worth taking a look at uh, because it gives you the opportunity to get that tax break that's offered to you, but still have access to those dollars before waiting until you're 59 and a half. But to utilize a strategy properly, it does take some attention to detail. Yeah. And okay, let's get to the super detailed part of Tyler's question. Basically, he's asking, can you roll over an old 401k into your current employer's 401k and draw down now on that much higher amount? Let's say you had one job for a decade, another job for a decade, and then now you're 53, getting close to this rule of 55 area. you got a 401k with your current employer. Can you actually roll over those old 401ks into the new one? And then when you leave that employer, tap all those funds early? Yes, you can. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of kind of crazy. Uh-huh. But yes, that is something you are allowed to do. So assuming that your new employer's plan is stellar, it's got low fees, great investment options for index investing, then it can make a lot of sense to roll over any previous 401k plans into your new one in order to have as many options available to future you as possible. Plus, it's uh, it's just nice not to have to keep up with a bunch of different logins <laughs> spread all over the internet. But, exactly. Uh, I'm also just a little nervous, though, Matt, if you roll all of your 401ks in and you think of all those funds as fair game, that, again, you're not thinking long and hard about a lot of those other future retirement years that you're going to have. Hopefully, Tyler's got decades after he turns 55 and decades after he turns 60. So mm-hmm. just don't, I wouldn't think about it as like a slush fund, which, <laughs> woo, now it's time for me to take the whole thing. Yeah. It's good to know that that, that is an option for by the, you know when you do turn 55. But that being said, I feel like, I don't know something about early retirement. I think it really appeals to you when you're younger. Because for I, I, and it maybe I'm just speaking out of my own experience. Because when I first discovered financial independence and all that it entailed, I thought, oh man, this is I'm doing this, baby. Like <laughs> I'm gonna go after it real hard. But then honestly, the older I get, the less important early retirement becomes. Because I think, like even by the time I'm older. I, I, I still think I'm going to work somehow. Yeah. Like, even if it's just like a part, did we, did we talk I about this the same. Uh, like at, over at our house or did we talk about this on the show? Oh, Talking about some of the different, different jobs that we might hold when we're older. Oh but yeah. Like I've joked about, you're, you're going to be a barista. Yeah. I've joked about either, I'm either going to work part time at like the gym or pulling espresso shots or even being like a, like a park ranger or something like that. Doesn't that there sound awesome? Go. Sounds great. Sounds so great. 
at least part time to be able to cover some of your living expenses to where you it's not necessary to draw on any of these retirement funds earlier because you kind of have some of these smaller jobs to hold you over. Okay, so what about you? What's your quote unquote retirement job that to you at least? So I say those things not knowing what future me is going to like. Yeah. Right now, I say those things and that sounds appealing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see myself as like a older gentleman doing <laughs> doing some of those gigs for you. What would that be uh, right now? Do you Maybe think? a disc golf caddy. What do you think? <laughs> Carry somebody else's discs, watch the the pros play. You just want to stand there and just chat chat them up. Yeah, pretty much. As, a, as opposed to actually throwing your own discs. That sounds like something I'd be into. <laughs> so, Tyler, it's just uh, some food for thought. I don't know. I think that's a good way of thinking about it. It's good to know that that exists, but I wouldn't fixate on it too much. Uh, but another detail worth considering, though, with the Rule of 55 is that if you made... So this is more, I guess, for folks who see who are in their early 50s and they're thinking, oh, man this is about to become available to me. This is something I'm going to do. Well, if you made a significant amount of money in the year that you end up separating from your job, any money taken out of that 401k could be subject to higher taxes. And so because of that, you might want to wait until the following calendar year to start taking money from your 401k so that you're just not taxes as at quite as high of a rate. Uh, and also something else to keep in mind is that not all in this just because the IRS allows you to do this because it's the rule of 55. It's again, it's the IRS's rule. Just because they allow that doesn't mean that all employers have to offer that. And so that's something else, I guess, for the early 50s individual who might be taking or considering taking a new job for the next few years that you're going to ride off into the sunset. Well, they don't have to offer those early withdrawals as an option. And so that's something that's a some little fine print that you want to make sure that you have available to you if that's something that you want to consider. Yeah. And it's also important to mention that even if you leave your employer at 55, you start drawing down some of that 401k because you can, you still can get another job, actually. That's one of the coolest parts of yeah. it. Yeah. So <laughs> if it's a way to fund a longer sabbatical and you're like, I still want to work for another seven, eight, 10 years. You can change your mind. You can totally change your yeah. mind. And guess what? You don't have to give the money back in your 401k or anything <laughs> like that. You can just have used it and, and no harm, no foul, no big deal. So it is it is interesting. You got to love the American tax code. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's all, all sorts of loopholes to consider. But Tyler, we hope that gets you pointed in the right direction, Joel. We've got a little more to get to. And this is going to be especially pertinent to any employees who may not have a 401k available to them through their employer. We'll get to that right after this. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money you probably think it's too soon to join aarp right well let's take a minute to talk about it where do you see yourself in 15 years more specifically your career your health your social life what are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the, uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the Money App 
Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Matt, we're back. Let's get to our Facebook question of the week. There's always people posting in the How to Money Facebook group, like clockwork, regularly asking each other for advice. It's a beautiful it's place. It's like they don't sleep or anything. Yeah, I know. You know. Like, what are these people doing? Yeah, on the internet, <laughs> nobody sleeps. Um, okay, but this one comes from Anonymous, who asked, I work for a small business that wants to offer a retirement plan. We have about 30 employees. Can anyone recommend how to begin a starter 401k under the Secure Act 2.0? Who offers a starter 401k? Thanks. And this is a great question, and the Secure Act 2.0 did make it easier for some of these small businesses to, in the same industry, to affiliate with each other, to offer 401ks to their employees. But the cool thing is, even before that, there are great low-cost providers out there that we should talk about, Matt. They've been around. They've kind of been doing this thing already. For some reason, though, they just fly under the radar. Yeah. Well, it wasn't always that that way, though. For many years, it was really hard for small businesses to offer competitive benefits. Uh, it was honestly, it was just prohibitively expensive. Uh, the administrative costs yes. to give employees health care or 401k. It was like, guys, I wish we could and I wish it would help make us more competitive. But the overhead is so severe that we just can't. And at least on the 401k front, I don't know about the healthcare front, uh, but at least on the 401k front, that's more of an excuse than reality these days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if uh, we're talking about a smaller business, they only have a handful of employees. Well, that was the trade-off that those employees had to make. No retirement account, no match. They had to just hope that their partner, <laughs> that they had one, and maybe just be content going all in on their, their Roth IRA and then just maybe tossing some investment dollars into their taxable brokerage account like we just discussed, but no longer because the uh, it's the democratization of investing it's not only come to the individual investor, but it's also come to the aid of small businesses as well. Yeah. And at least on my radar, there are two two specific places that are worth mentioning, right? There there are a handful of, of places that business owners can turn, but our two favorites are Betterment and Guideline. And so Betterment has a consumer-facing product. So if you're just a random individual, you can open up your IRA or taxable brokerage uh, account with Betterment, and they've got a great product. Uh, But they also offer something uh, for the small business world. And the products that each of these companies offer, they're actually pretty similar in a lot of ways, including on the pricing front. It's worth looking at both to see which one is most cost-effective for your specific company. But I would say Betterment has a slightly higher monthly fee, but a smaller per-employee charge. So that's kind of how it works, is there's typically a fee of $75, $125 a month, and then something like $6 or $7 or $8 per employee, depending on which package you choose. So, you know, run the numbers and check on the out the specific benefits that each one has to see which one is a better fit. We don't think you can go wrong with either, truly. Yeah. Or and even don't forget Fidelity as well. I mean, yeah. Fidelity always has uh, cost effective options as well. And they've got a calculator where you can go on there, enter some details in, and they'll give you an estimate as to how much you should be paying, what you could expect to pay. And of course, this is assuming that I guess this person, anonymous person asked. So they, they got like something like 30 employees. I didn't mention Fidelity because, Joel, we've got our 401k set up through Fidelity. Yeah. But of course, it, well, I shouldn't say of course, you and I are the only two actual WTW2 employees. And so therefore, we're self-employed. So because of that, we have what's called either a self-employed 401k or also known as a solo 401k. And there are zero fees. There's zero cost when you are opening one of those with Fidelity. So just something out there for all of the all of the, the emerging solopreneurs out there. Uh, and by the way, if you work at a smaller business, uh, if you work for a smaller employer, it might make sense to bring some of these services to their attention because it's a way for 
even like like a small business, anything from like five to even fifty. Uh, but it, allow the, it allows these businesses to offer these competitive benefits and retain talent. Uh, but just like a lot of employers, they just don't know that products like this exist these days. Uh, they're focused on whatever it is that you do. Right. Then it may not be the product or service that you guys create. Yeah, yeah. they're not pouring a whole lot of time and attention into HR, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. There's no so they probably looked years and years ago and they were like, huh, this seems pretty really expensive. That's just not going to be who we are. Yeah, yeah exactly. This, that's, that's not a part of the fabric of our company. <laughs> um, and so just, I don't know, it's worth mentioning that and you don't need to be like a jerk about it. You don't need to throw your boss under the bus for not offering a 401k yet. But you just might want to mention, you know, that these sites exist and that they're incredibly inexpensive. Uh, and they might thank you. You know, they might uh, give you a little bonus for showing some initiative. And I think your fellow employers, uh, employees, they will, uh, they'll be incredibly thankful yeah. uh, for, <laughs> for, for you to bring this up as well because it's going to impact their retirement the amount of money that they are able to uh, set aside they might carry well. you out on their shoulders like Rudy <laughs> Rudiger in the movie Rudy uh, an all time classic at the very least they'll throw a pizza party right in your honor but I think that's going to be it for listener questions let's uh, get back to the beer Joel that you and I enjoy how come you didn't drink you didn't finish your beer yet because I'm feeling like trash <laughs> yeah um, I don't blame you dude Although but, I hate it for you because this is such... I can tell. A de- I had a couple sips, even against the doctor's orders, <laughs> um, and it is a delicious beer. Sadly, though, my palate is just not up to oh, snuff. It's, I'm sure it's completely blown. So this, let folks, this beer was lost on me a little bit, and that really bums me out. This was, a, I'll say, this is a really, really good IPA. It's got a... I don't know, maybe the fact that it says green on here, but it, the, the hops, it had a whole lot of vegetal notes, right? And so sometimes you get an IPA, especially a New England hazy like this, and it can come across as... Sticky candy sweet. <laughs> and that's yeah, like too tropical. Yeah, yeah. And that's not what was going on here. This had more of the sweetness that you get when you when you roast some broccoli on a roasting pan in yeah. the oven. You know, that kind of sweetness. Oh, yeah. That's what this beer was rocking. And so I don't think I'm ever going to get tired of IPAs, but especially if they're making them like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rihanna, thank you so much for sending this one our way. And we'll make sure to link to any of the resources we mentioned during this episode up in the show notes, up on the website at howtomoney.com. And buddy, I think that's going to be it for this one. Until next time. Best friends out. (laughs) Best friends out. collapses yeah your head just like conks down on the table dude xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com.